Welcome to the High Vibe Podcast. I'm your host, Bree, and this is your weekly no-fluff self-development podcast for teachers. The High Vibe Teaching Podcast is the self-development you need to instantly improve your life and get through the crap holding you back. Becoming High Vibe has changed my life, and I know it can change yours too. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you clicked play on this podcast because we're going to be doing some deep work today. This podcast episode, I think, would be a really good idea to listen through one time completely, maybe driving on your commute to work, walking your dog, whatever you do when you listen to podcasts. I think it would be a really good idea. Just listen to this all the way through and then listen to it a second time and do the journal prompts that I talk about in this podcast episode. If you're new, um, the last couple episodes, you'll see them in the title. We have been doing some of, no, not some of, we have been going chapter by chapter from the book, How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicola Perra, the holistic psychologist. And today is the day where we're actually going to be looking over childhood trauma archetypes. And what I need from you guys is I absolutely need you guys to listen to the previous episode, A New Theory on Trauma. That is going to help you get into this work and understand why it's important to heal ourselves from past trauma, what past trauma is, what it is not. So I recommend if you want to do some healing today, I recommend that you sit down at a desk, at a table, wherever you want to sit down at, even on your bed, doesn't matter. Take out a pen, pencil, and a journal, and you are going to be doing some healing work today. I hope you're excited. Healing work feels so freaking good, you guys. Um, I will say, huge disclaimer, I'm not a psychologist at all. Like, you guys know this. I'm just a teacher. I love self-development work. This is my second time reading this book. I've done trauma release before. I've actually taken a course on it from one of my favorite self-development influencers. Um, I have a podcast episode about it. It, It's called, I spent $444 on a self-development course. This is what happened. And this is the experience I had with it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I'm going to be reading this book to you guys. And this psychologist made these journal prompts for you. So um, just a disclaimer, that's where I'm getting the information from. She is a psychologist. She is more focused on holistics though. And if you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about, please listen to episode, I think 30 and 31 or 31 and 32. You'll see chapter one, chapter two of the trauma or the holistic um, psychologist, how to do the work. We've been working on this for the past couple of weeks. And I highly recommend just listening to the podcast episodes in order to catch you up to speed. Now, before we get started, I do want to say, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Just no, but really, how is everyone? I hope everyone's doing fantastic. Um, If you have not followed my YouTube channel, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys are from there. But if not, I have a YouTube channel at High Vibe Teaching. And over there, I teach lifestyle, education, and... Uh, teaching related things on that channel every single week. Um, There is a new video out. I'm batch recording, so I'm recording this about three weeks out. So I don't really know exactly what the episode was about this week, but highly recommend. Check it out. Um, Also, please subscribe to this podcast if you like it, and be sure to share to anyone who you feel like would benefit from this. And follow me on Instagram at High Vibe Teaching. That is the best way to see my everyday life, inspirational quotes, 
Um, if you want to get into contact with me, that is the best way is Instagram. And lastly, huge, huge, huge announcement. Um, October 1st, High Vibe Virtual Book Club and Community is coming out. It is going to be launching. I can't freaking wait. If you like this format, a podcast format, you will love the High Vibe Virtual Book Club. What my plan is, there's going to be a whole video about it soon. Um, my plan is we're going to read the same book. I'm going to be making individual podcast episodes for each chapter of the book, similar to what I'm doing now, but it's more discussion based. Actually, it's pretty much what I'm doing now. So if you like what I'm doing, but you want to actually read the book along with me, and if you want to have a community to where you can kind of lean upon that community and get a sense of community, then you will love the virtual book club. There is a sign up down below. Please be sure to sign up. Information will be announced early September, all about everything. And I'm telling you, if you feel drawn to change your life, to become unstuck, to feel empowered, to literally just change your entire paradigm, I encourage you to join the High Vibe Virtual Book Club. Sign up will be linked down below. All right, let's get into these archetypes. Now, for those of you who don't really know what an archetype is, it's just like a category. So we're going to be discussing different types of childhood trauma that have to deal with our parents in this podcast episode. If you listened to my last podcast episode, which I really hope you did before listening to this, we talked about how in our lives, no matter who we are, we are faced with some sort of trauma, not one person's trauma is more traumatic than another person's. I don't think that's fair to say. Um, if it was traumatic to you, it was traumatic to you. Whatever trauma you faced is trauma. Trauma is trauma. I do not want you or your ego to tell you that what you endured during your childhood was not traumatic or wasn't traumatic enough or people have it so much worse than you. So why are you complaining? No, 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 no. If it was traumatic to you and you know, if it was traumatic to you, if it stings, if it burns, if you feel like your soul is like your soul kind of got nicked at, if you feel like your inner child wasn't listened to, or you felt upset about something or something hurt your feelings, or if you can remember a before or after, that is a traumatic event. And it's normal. Every single person has traumatic events. And following on with that, we're going to be talking about parents here. Um, I'll speak on it first. My parents did a really, really great job raising me and my brother. Um, they did amazing. I'm grateful for every single thing they did for us. Um, but that does not mean that they saved me from all sorts of trauma that I endured in my life. I still went to school. Um, I mean, my parents, I love them to death, obviously, but they weren't perfect. And like I said, in the last episode, um, I truly believe everyone's doing the best that they can. Everyone is doing the best that they can at all times, especially in parenthood. Do like, I know my parents were trying the best that they could in every moment that, you know, was presented. And I hold no grudges towards my parents. I used to about certain things, but it gets to a point, especially when you're healing yourself and you're healing your traumas, it gets to a point where you're just like, oh, like you see it so much differently. You don't have anger towards 
that anymore. You see it so differently. You see it at a stance of, well, they're just trying the best that they could and it was probably so stressful or blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, you just get to a place of understanding is what I'm trying to say. Understanding and forgiveness and just love still in your heart. That's where I'm at. And I'm going to be a parent. Not right now. I'm not like pregnant right now, but I'm planning on becoming a mother eventually. And I know I'm just going to be doing the best that I can every single day. Is it going to be perfect? No, perfect does not exist. Am I going to do something, say something that may, you know, hinder my child in some way, shape or form? Yes, more than likely. Absolutely. Yes. But it's all about intention. I'm not intentionally doing it. My intention is pure. And I like to think about this in the classroom as well. So when we're teaching, we're teachers, we have a lot of stress. There's a lot of things going on inside the classroom and we're only human. And I know that as a teacher, we and I are just trying to do our best at all times. Our intentions are good. Our intentions are pure. So just keep that in mind. Have compassion towards, you know, whatever you're going to be healing have compassion towards yourself. Give forgive yourself as well. Forgive everyone involved. This is that's going to be part of the healing process. But and like I said in the previous episode, I think every generation has its challenges with different things. And in my personal opinion, uh, my parents were born in '66. Uh, I think you know during their growing up, I don't think it was very quote normal to discuss emotions, to discuss mindfulness, to discuss mental health, to discuss trauma. I don't think these tools were were available to my parents. So I just think this is an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity to learn something new, change some patterns. Like I talked about in the last episode, a lot of times it's repeating cycles within families. Um, be the change in your family tree to where you're going to change it up for the better because you have a deeper understanding of mind, body, and soul connection. There are certain things that I want to change within my family tree as well. And that's an intention I put forward every single day. And you can do the same. It's really empowering. And again, from the place of intention, if your intention is pure and good and full of love, you know, you're doing, you're doing what your soul wants to do. So an archetype is a new framework for understanding childhood trauma. It's developed based on the common dynamics that the author observed in her extensive clinical practice, as well as within the self-healer community. That's her community um, for her viewers. The archetypes we're going to discuss are by no means hard and fast categories. You might identify with one dynamic strongly or several of them may resonate. You don't have to fit into one box. I just want to help you think about your primary relationships and the conditioning you've experienced. The first step to healing is awareness. Now, I forgot to say this in the beginning, but we are still in chapter three. Um, We are still in a new theory of trauma. Now we're going to be looking at the different types of childhood trauma that, you know, she categorized during her clients and her practice as a psychologist. And there is going to be journal prompts to go with to help you dig deeper, to help you self-heal. So we are still on chapter three. Okay, let's dive in. 
All right, you guys, we are going into the first archetype, and that is having a parent who denies your reality. So a typical example of a reality denial occurs when a child feeling uncomfortable around a relative tells their mother and is met with a response like, oh, she's just trying to be nice. You better be polite. When a parent figure denies a child's reality, they are unconsciously teaching the child to reject their intuition, their gut feeling. The more we learn to distrust ourselves, the deeper this intuitive voice withdraws, becoming harder and harder to hear. This results in lost intuition and internal conflict. We learn that our judgments cannot be trusted and look to others to shape our realities. More examples of this archetype are maybe a child goes to confide in their parent figure that their friends didn't want to sit with them at the school lunch table. So for the child in that moment, it was an extremely distressing situation, resulting in them feeling rejected at the time when the need for the peer validation is an important part of the development. The well-intentioned parent figure might respond with some degree of dismissal. Don't worry, you'll find new friends. It isn't a big deal. It will get better. It's only your first day. Anyone with their own level of unresolved feelings will genuinely feel uncomfortable with the child's expression of feelings and may cope by attempting to dismiss them. The child's experiences may activate similarly painful past experiences for the parent figure. These are often unconscious. Who tends to push the child to repress or ignore the feelings that are coming up. The problem is that the child was having a legitimate feeling and looking to be comforted and supported. Instead, they were told that the pain wasn't that serious and they really shouldn't worry about it. Through this, a child is taught that their perception of reality and related emotional experiences are not trustworthy. Our childhood realities can also be denied when our parent figures and families dismiss objective issues. So this is an example the author writes. We're on page 49. We're still in chapter 3, by the way. I wish I said that in the beginning. We're still in chapter 3. We're just going into archetypes right now. But the author says, An example I saw was a client whose father was a functional alcoholic. Though he had a job and provided financially for the family, the minute he walked through the door, he'd crack open a beer and drink through the night until he either got hostile and started yelling or passed out. When my client was old enough to notice and comment on his father's behavior, his mother dismissed his fear and excused her husband's behavior as a result of a hard day's work. This denial was a learned behavior modeled by my client's mother, who was raised in a household that denied the reality of a family member's substance use. Over time, my client began to inherit his mother's way of viewing his father's behavior, talking himself about how hard his father worked. It wasn't until he lifted the curtain a bit and acknowledged the rows of empty bottles and nightly drinking that he began to see his father's behavior for what it was. All right, so if you resonated with having a parent who denies your reality, this is going to be your journal prompt. Pause this, get out your pen, paper, journal, and listen to what I say, then you're going to journal about it, okay? All right, remember a time in childhood when you went to your parent figure figures with an idea, feeling, or experience that they responded to in an invalidating way. For example, their response could have been some version of, it didn't happen that way, it's not a big deal, you should just forget about it. 
Spend some time connecting with your child self, exploring what you may have felt when your parent figure or figures responded in those ways. To help you reflect, feel free to use this journal prompt. In childhood, my parent figure or figures blank. I felt blank. All right, we are getting into the second archetype, and the second archetype is having a parent who does not see or hear you. We've all heard the saying, children are meant to be seen, not heard. It was a slogan of sorts that summed up older generations' mindset around raising children. This mindset was born out of an understanding that the only needs children had were basic, such as food and shelter. Resource scarcity was a reality for many members of these generations. These adults often denied successful parenting as the fulfillment of basic survival needs with little energy or attention left for emotional needs. The effects of the survival-based parenting style have been passed down through inherited trauma and we are living through its long-term consequences. Not being seen or hood in childhood is an experience of feelings emotionally disconnected from a parent figure. Sometimes this involves severe neglect. Though often it comes in the form of more subtle experiences, it can look like a parent figure who is overwhelmed by their own feelings and distracted by chronic stress, or by contrast, one who is in a state of complete emotional shutdown and unable to listen to and support their child's emotional expression. Another version of this looks like a parent figure operating on autopilot, running from task to task, distracted in their own mind, and unable to truly see their child in front of them. This prevents any deeper emotional connection with their child because, mentally, the parent figure is simply not there. It is painful not to be heard. It is upsetting to be ignored. It is confusing to learn that we must hide our true selves in order to be loved. Being acknowledged is one of the deepest human needs. If your childhood thoughts or ideas are not heard, your mind feels dismissed. If your childhood self-expression is not seen, your soul feels diminished. Diminished. This lack of acknowledgement can also take the form of your future being spoken for or predetermined before your passions and life's path can be fully known. Experiences such as these make it hard for us to learn how to trust our inclinations and follow our intuitive needs. For parent figures reading this, it's important to remind yourself that children exceed us in their connection to their intuition and their core self. As adults, we easily get lost in our own steady stream of thoughts. Children are still highly intuitive. Their world is in flux, still being formed. In providing a secure and open space for your children to explore, you will also learn about yourself and the possibilities that each of us contains when we are free to express our authentic selves. All right, pen and paper out. This is your turn to journal if you resonated with that second archetype. So if you resonated with having a parent who does not see or hear you, here is your journal prompt. Remember a time in childhood when you wanted to be acknowledged by your parent figure or figures and they seemed distracted, busy, or otherwise made you feel unacknowledged. Spend some time noting the past circumstances that led you to feeling unseen or unheard. Then reflect upon and write about the ways you may have tried to get their attention. Did you perform, act out, or become withdrawn? To help you reflect, feel free to use this journal prompt. In childhood, when my parent figure figures blank, I felt blank. To cope, 
I blank. All right, you guys, we are on archetype number three, and this is having a parent who vicariously lives through you or molds and shapes you. This type of parent figure is typically known as a stage parent, someone who is overzealous and pushes their child to become an actress or a singer to fulfill the parent figure's own needs for fame, achievement, or attention. Though this archetype is most often associated with performance and unfairly with mothers, this kind of behavior isn't limited to the stage. It's easy to vilify stage parents, as they are often portrayed in popular culture as outright abusive. Often the push to make a child exceed comes from a very natural parental instinct, pride. Unfortunately, pride turns sour when the motivation to push a child to succeed originates from an unprocessed trauma. Parent figures who live out their lives through their children carry a deep-seated painful belief that they are a failure or in some way inadequate and often project this core belief onto their children. Let's say a father wanted to be a basketball player and broke his leg before he was able to make his college team. Or maybe a mother wanted to be a doctor and that path wasn't open to her, so she became a nurse. The result is that the child may feel an oppressive amount of pressure to succeed and abandons parts of their authentic self in order to please the parent figure. Ultimately, trying to establish one's own fidelity through the success of another leads to a disappointment on the parent figure's side. It also leads to resentment on the part of the child who neglected their own needs to fulfill another's unmet needs. Anytime an intrinsic need is denied, resentment soon follows. The loss of self can manifest in a number of ways in adulthood, and I've seen it play out most often as either severe indecisiveness or procrastination or an obsessive need to succeed. By the way, I'm reading out of the book at this part, so keep that in mind. When she says I, she's talking about her, the author. To clarify, sometimes the stage parents acts with intention, like the stage moms in Hollywood, for example, for financial gain. Though many other times the parent truly desires a better life for their child. Molding and shaping takes many forms and occurs when a parent figure constantly projects their own wants, needs, or desires onto their child, such as telling their child to avoid certain friends or focus on certain classes in school. It can be something as subtle as telling a child, you're going to be an amazing mother one day. This is often a completely unconscious process. Parent figures who are doing this likely don't see that they are engaging in possibly problematic behavior. In fact, many see it as an act of love, and for them it often is. On occasion, that outcome can be devastating for some of those in traditionally desirable professions, lawyers and doctors, for example, who struggle to cope with the misalignment of their careers, use substances, experience mental health issues, and in extreme cases, even commit suicide. All right, go ahead, get out your pen and paper. So if you resonate with that archetype, this is going to be your journal prompt. Do you remember a time in childhood when you got messages about who you were or weren't? Did you have parent figures who said you're too sensitive like your mother or you need to get straight A's to make the family proud? Were you as impassionate and committed to those goals as they were? Or did you feel as though you were going through the motions just to please them? 
Spend some time noting the different messages you may have received about yourself in childhood. Also noting the different ways you may have been influenced by your parent figure's directly or indirectly expressed wishes. To help you reflect, feel free to use these journal prompts. In my childhood, I received the following messages about myself. I was aware that my parent figures wished the following of me. All right, you guys, we are on archetype number four, having a parent who does not model boundaries. Boundaries are clear definitions of our personal limitations. Children instinctively understand boundaries. They respond to them and can clearly state their own boundaries and follow through with maintaining them, regardless of others' reactions to them. Just watch how a toddler almost instinctively shakes their head no in response to something they don't like. Some adults, however, have fewer boundaries and typically have a difficult time maintaining the ones they do have. Many of us grew up in homes raised by parent figures who did not fully understand how to use or maintain their own boundaries, making them unable to model appropriate limits for us. Now, this is her talking. This is what the holistic psychologist has to say, the author. In my therapy practice, I heard frequent historical reports of a parent figure's reading of a childhood diary. This violation of privacy often resulted in a shaming confrontation for the child and sometimes even punishment based on what was read. These experiences teach us as children that loved ones can and do cross one's boundaries. In instances of frequent boundary crossing, children may internalize a belief that such boundary crossing are part of closeness and may even love, allowing them in future partnerships. A child may do the opposite, becoming highly secretive and protective when their pers- with their personal details. Another common boundary crossing occurs when one parent complains to a child about the other parent figure. Several of my clients told me that personal details about parental relationships, such as infidelity or financial issues, were told to them in childhood. The parent figure, unable to appreciate that the child is not a peer, may be seeking emotional comfort for their child. In such instances, a child may feel overwhelmed by these personal details and have their own conflicted feelings about hearing the negative comments about another loved parent figure. All right, this is your journal prompt for archetype number four, if you resonate with having a parent who does not model boundaries. Spend some time thinking back to your experiences with personal limits and their violations in childhood, as well as about the different sorts of limits or lack thereof modeled by your parent figures or figure overall. To help you reflect, feel free to use these journal prompts. In your childhood, did you feel free to say no? Or did your parent figure or figures tell you to behave in a certain way? In your childhood, did your parent figure or figures set clear limits on their time, energy, and resources in their relationships? In your childhood, did your parent figure or figures respect your privacy or did they invade it? Examples of privacy violation include transgressions such as reading a diary, listening to phone calls, or other snooping behavior. 
And lastly, did your parent figure or figures in your childhood allow you to have conversations, interactions, and experiences with people in your life without inserting themselves into them? Alrighty, archetype number five, having a parent who is overly focused on appearance. As we know, the need for outside validation doesn't just stop once we grow up. Instead, the impulse to be liked and admired follows us through our lives. Parent figures may project this onto their children in a number of ways. Sometimes it can be obvious. The parent figure who comments on a child's weight or obsesses about the child looking presentable at all times. The parent figure who is overly concerned with minor details, such as how a child wears their hair. Children learn quickly that some parts of their physical appearances are acceptable and some are not. This begins a lifelong practice of believing that receiving love is conditional on one's outward appearance. This same imprinting happens when our parent figures are overly fixated on how they look, modeling behaviors such as obsessive dieting, paying extreme attention to grooming, or excessive exercising. It can take the form of deeming certain foods bad or fattening. It can also take the form of commenting about the body or appearance of friends, family, or public figures. Direct statements don't necessarily have to be made to the child because, as we know, a child is a sponge who notices when one's core beliefs are overly image-focused. This can also be observed on a larger scale when parent figures behave a certain way outside versus inside the home, training the child to see that humans can have two different personas. An example of this are family members who are constantly bickering or yelling inside the home, but once in public speak and act lovingly or at least politely, upholding a persona that they are, in fact, masks. Children learn quickly that they must shift who they are depending on where they are, just as they saw modeled, in order to survive survive and be loved. All right, if you resonated with archetype number five, here's your journal prompt. If you felt that you had a parent who was overly focused on appearance, this is your journal prompt. In childhood, many of us received direct and indirect messages about our appearance. A parent figure or figures may have even commented directly on certain aspects of your appearance with statements such as, you should wear your hair down. Your thighs are getting bigger. Do you really think it's a good idea to have seconds? Or you'd look a lot better if you didn't wear clothes like that. Sometimes such statements may also be directed at others. Your parent figure or figures may have commented on aspects of other people's appearances, highlighting some qualities positively and others negatively. Your parents' attention to our rituals around their own physical appearance also modeled beliefs and values about what is acceptable and what is not. To help you reflect, feel free to use this journal prompt. What are the messages you received regarding appearance? Alrighty, you guys, we are on the last archetype, and this is archetype number six. Having a parent who cannot regulate their emotions. Emotional regulation is the process of experiencing an emotion, allowing that sensation to pass through the body, rather than trying to distract oneself with, say, drugs or alcohol or an iPhone or food. 
identifying it, I am angry right now, or I am sad, and breathing through it until it eventually passes. The practice of emotional regulation enables us to remain centered and calm through the various stresses that life brings and return to a, a psychological baseline. Most of us did not have parent figures who were able to identify, let alone regulate their feelings. Instead, when they were emotionally flooded or experiencing many intense feelings at once, they didn't know what to do. Some may have projected the overwhelming emotional energy outwards, screaming, slamming, or slamming doors, throwing things or storming off. For others, the emotions pro projected inward, resulting in some kind of withdrawal. This looks like parents using the silent treatment or icing someone out. Icing behavior takes place when a parent figure becomes emotionally distant or withdraws love from a child, usually, usually as a result of feeling emotionally overwhelmed. Not being able to control their own feelings about a particular experience, the parent figure shuts down and shuts down their children. Many self-healers res resonate with this experience. Some of them identify with the phenomenon of a parent who used the silent treatment as punishment. In our healing circles, people have spoken about parent figures who disengaged, those who stopped speaking to them, those who deployed their family members to reject them. When we have loved ones who shut down instead of managing their feelings, we are modeled an overall lack of emotional regulation and often do not develop coping skills that enable us to build emotional resilience on our own. All right, go ahead and get out your paper, journal, um, pencil, and this is for architect number six, your journal prompt, having a parent who cannot regulate their emotions. One of the most important aspects of your emotional health is how you regulate and process your emotions. In childhood, you learn emotional regulation by watching how your parents expressed their feelings or didn't. And by the way, they responded when you expressed yours. Spend some time reflecting on how emotions were handled in your childhood. To help you reflect, feel free to use these journal prompts. When your parent figures had strong feelings such as anger or sadness, how did they respond? For example, did they slam doors, vent, scream, or give the silent treatment? Did your parent figure have a specific coping strategy? For example, did they overspend when shopping, use substances, avoid certain or all emotions entirely? When your parent figure had strong feelings, how did they communicate with you or those around you? For example, did they resort to name-calling, blaming, shaming, or the silent treatment? After strong feeling, did your parent figure take time to explain or help you process your own feelings around what happened? In childhood, I received the following messages about feelings in general or my feelings in particular. Yes or no. And why or why not? So through these different archetypes that we may find ourselves in, you may find yourselves in more than one again. I found myself probably in a little bit of all of them, um, maybe four out of the six. But all right, you guys, if you are doing the journal work, I am so proud of you. Congratulations. Like, seriously, um, it's a really good accomplishment to do this work. It is such a amazing thing that you made the choice to think about your childhood, think about the things that sting, and write through it. 
and look at it through a different light and just to see that even though these things happened in your childhood, that does not mean that is who you are today. That is That does not mean who you were in the past. Next week, we're going to be discussing trauma body and how body or how trauma reacts in our bodies. So next week's episode is going to be just as important as the previous episodes, just as important as this episode. Again, I'm so proud of you guys for sticking with this episode, listening through, doing the work. And through my experience with self-healing, it's heavy during the time and you may probably will cry. You need to allow yourself to cry. Let it out. Let the emotion out feel the feels, allow yourself to feel it. And then you're able to journal it. You're able to see a different perspective and you're probably able to, I know this sounds kind of maybe weird, but be grateful for it because, um, you can kind of see maybe where your parents came from, why your parents wanted to push you so hard, why your parents cared so much about this, that, or whatever. Or maybe you'll feel a little sad about, you know, your parents were going through a stressful situation and they lashed out at you. Or, you know, your parents were never taught how to self-regulate, so they couldn't teach you how to self-regulate. Again, if we just come from a place of understanding and caring towards our parents and just see it from a place of love and light, um, it really helps the healing process. So you guys, thank you so much for listening. I want to thank every single person for this listening to this week's show. Please leave a review and share to anyone who you may feel will find this valuable. Follow me on Instagram, subscribe to my YouTube channel and to this podcast. I'm going to see you guys next week. And again, I'm so proud of you. You did amazing. And please remember that this work pays off. Doing this heavy, deep work pays off in how you view yourself, how you view your world, your mindset. And this is just one step closer to being high vibe. Because remember, becoming high vibe truly changed my life and it will change yours too. All right, you guys have a fantastic week and I love you all with love and light.